This is the third Sunday of Lent, which begins the third week of Lent. All over the world, many, by no means all, but many, many Christians are trying to live this season as a period of spiritual preparation for the holiest days of the year, which are the Easter Triduum, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, opening into the extended Easter season. During that experience, which is going to be in four weeks, we are invited to not just remember the way that God ultimately has saved this world through Jesus's passion, death, and resurrection. We're going to be invited to enter into that. At the culmination of that at the Easter Vigil, some of you and some other people in this community are going to step forward and say, we want to be baptized and receive the other sacraments. We believe Jesus is the Savior, and we want him to fill us with his power of life and love. The rest of us who are already baptized hopefully will stand up in public and say, we really do believe this. We believe he is the Savior. The Lenten season is purely one day at a time for six weeks, trying to prepare to be maximally ready for the grace of those experiences. So a great thing about St. Patrick Parish is so many people really do observe Lent. I'm not just talking about the disciplines of Lent, which are good if they support living this season. I mean that so many people, younger and older in this community, day by day have been taking this seriously since Ash Wednesday, really focusing, the agenda was set for us on Ash Wednesday, repent and believe in the gospel. So many of us are trying one day at a time to be much more aware of our sin, much more understanding of it, and to turn away from it, repenting. We're trying day by day to learn more about Jesus and to put his love more into practice, being more faithful to the gospel. So most of us are following the gospel readings of the church day by day. We have a prayer guide in the bulletin or other prayer guides you may have. Lent is this powerful grace that really is only offered to us by God in this way once a year. At this point, as far as I can tell in our community, there are plenty of us on this end of the scale, somewhere over here where, yes, I am really living Lent. Maybe it's just been a breeze for whatever reason. Maybe it's been a struggle, which may be better. But yes, I am in on this. At the other end of the scale, honestly, some of us have said, no, at this point, either I started, but I got waylaid or something went wrong, or I have chosen not to enter into this. I find, week, I've already said this to you, Sunday by Sunday, I find the readings and the prayers maximally encouraging for people who are living Lent and also for people who have made the mistake of not living Lent to try to get on board. So I hope you find these readings as encouraging as I do. The first, and the question is, from the beginning, one question is, from the beginning to end of Lent, does it really matter? Does it really matter if I live Lent? Does it really matter whether I repent and grow in faithfulness as a Christian? That's a completely good question. So the first reading today is from the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. It's about Moses, about whom we heard on the first Sunday of Lent. This is set about in the 13th century before Christ. Our Jewish ancestors, the people of Israel, have been for generations in slavery in Egypt. Moses is a person who has an interesting growing up. He's rescued 
from being killed by the Egyptians as a male Hebrew child. He's eventually adopted by the daughter of the Egyptian pharaoh. And at one point, he ends up as an adult killing an Egyptian who is abusing a fellow Hebrew. He flees from Egypt, and he ends up in a place called Midian, where he gets married. And at this point in the scripture, he's got two kids, he's married, he's working as a shepherd for his father-in-law. He is minding his own business. That's a biblical term. Moses is minding his own business. There is no indication that he's anything but happy and content minding his own business. And then comes God. God enters into Moses's life in a very powerful, clear way. And God tells Moses, when you, you can go home, you can read the passage we just heard or the chapters around it. God tells Moses that God wants Moses to change. God wants Moses to leave where he is and to go back to Egypt. God wants Moses to be the instrument of God's freeing the Hebrew people from that slavery in Egypt. So Moses goes back and forth with God. Moses has very good questions. He has fears. He has his own weaknesses, and he expresses those to God. He goes back and forth with God, and God responds to him, Moses must make a decision. He's been told by God that God wants him to change. God wants him to begin a new life totally as God's instrument. Moses can say yes. Moses can say no. Moses can procrastinate. He can put this off. But that's basically saying no at the moment to God. Yes, no, or procrastinate, which is effectively no. Does it really matter whether Moses, how Moses responds to God? I mean, a lot of us say these things. You know, I'm basically a good human being, God. You know, I haven't killed anybody. Well, Moses has, by the way, killed somebody. Does it really matter if Moses, how Moses responds? It only matters, only matters whether Moses responds and how he responds. Number one, it matters only for God and for humanity. God has a plan for Moses. God wants Moses to do this. This is God. People are meant to be freed from slavery as part of what Moses is asked to do. The liberation of our Jewish ancestors from slavery in Egypt is one of the fundamental reference points for the truth that God loves us and God cares about us and God wants to liberate us for all of humanity. If you don't think there are people in Ukraine today listening to that scripture and praying that God will somehow liberate them as God liberated our ancestors, you're nuts. Moses, for God and for not just his people, but for the rest of history, his response only matters. And number two, his response only matters for himself. God is calling Moses to a salvation, to grow in God and himself to grow beyond where he is with all of his limitations and sins, including the fact that he's a murderer. God wants him to be freed from that experience. I'm only getting, I think I've only gotten this recently. If you listen to that second reading, St. Paul in the first letter to the Corinthians warns us about this. St. Paul says, 
all of the people of Israel are freed from slavery in Egypt. All of them experience that liberation. All of them experience miraculous food and drink from God. All of them are supported by God on this freedom. But most of them are not pleasing to God because most of them continue to love evil. Most of them grumble against God. They turn against God. Moses actually chooses to say yes to God and yes to God and yes to God. Moses experiences salvation. Most of the people, according to St. Paul around him, don't. And St. Paul says to Christians, including you and me, whoever thinks he stands secure should take care not to fall. Okay, so that, does Moses' response matter? It only matters. That leads to the gospel reading. The gospel reading today is from Luke 13. In this part of the gospel of Luke, Jesus is teaching continually about God's judgment of us now and eternally. This includes Jesus' warnings about God's punishment. If we're blessed enough to hear from God how God wants us to live, and we freely choose to reject that, God accepts our rejection. If we hear Jesus' call to repent and to become his disciples, if we hear it and we freely reject that, the ultimate reality is we are punished for our free choices. So Jesus gives two images. First image is people who are suddenly killed. First group of people, Jesus says, his listeners have heard, as best you can put it together from the scripture, apparently some Jewish people from Galilee are worshiping at the temple in Jerusalem, which involves animal sacrifices. Pontius Pilate's soldiers somehow kill them suddenly, and their blood, the blood of their sacrifices, is mingled with their blood. These people are brutally, gruesomely, suddenly killed. Jesus says to his listeners, there's a perennial question. At Jesus' time, many people think if a horrible calamity takes place in your life, maybe it's because of your sin. And a lot of us also have that kind of funky suspicion. If you're of Irish or Dominican background, this is a common question. Did you, really, do you think, Jesus says, that those people who were killed by Pontius Pilate were more sinful than any other Galileans? You ready for the answer from the Son of God? by no means, period, end of question. Then Jesus says, but you, you people who are wondering about other people's sin, if you do not repent, I tell you, all of you will perish just as they did. Second example, Jesus says, you have heard about these 18 people who were accidentally killed at the pool of Siloam in Jerusalem when a tower suddenly fell on them. Do you think that those people who were accidentally killed by the tower falling on them were any more sinful than everybody else in Jerusalem? Answer from the Son of God, by no means, period. End of that question. But you, you who are speculating about other people's sinfulness, I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish just as they did. 
just be sure we're on the same page here this morning. Is Jesus saying that if I don't repent, a tower is going to fall on me or someone's going to come in and kill me? Of course not. If that's what he were saying, that's what would happen. And Luke would say, yeah, and then everybody died. What he is saying is that if I hear God's call to repent and I freely choose not to repent of my sin and to become a person pursuing holiness in God, I will die eternally, period. If I make the choice to reject the repentance to which Jesus calls me and to live the life of holiness to which he calls me, I will die eternally, period. If you're living Lent, that is super encouraging to stay on the right track. If you have chosen not to live the repentance of this season, that is a gift to you, whether you like it or not. Second image in there, particularly for those of us who for whatever reason have said, I'm just not repenting, it doesn't matter, whatever the reason is. Jesus says there is a person who plants a fig tree in an orchard. Be sure you get this detail. There's only one reason you plant a fig tree in an orchard, to grow figs. You don't plant a fig tree in an orchard for the scenic beauty. You don't plant a fig tree in an orchard for the shade. You plant a fig tree in an orchard so it will produce figs. The owner of the orchard comes for the third year to get the figs that should be growing from the tree. There are no figs. He says to the gardener, for three years I've come here to get figs. Why should this exhaust the soil? Cut it down. If any of you are home gardeners, you do this, right? You plant the stupid tomatoes, they don't grow. You give it another season, they don't grow. You cut down the tomatoes because I'm putting all this money into the stupid, 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 stupid fertilizer. You get rid of the tomatoes. It's not cruel. Plants are not people. You, you get rid of it. So the owner justifiably says, why should this exhaust the soil, cut down the tree? The gardener, for some reason, has mercy on this tree that extends beyond justice. The gardener says, give it one more year. I will fertilize the ground around it. I will cultivate it so that maybe it will produce fruit. If it doesn't, you can cut it down. You and I have been given a life. The life we've been given is from God. We did not create it. The only purpose of life is to grow in knowing God putting his love into practice, and producing good fruit in this world for God. That is the only purpose of life, whether you like it or accept it or not. That is the truth. If I make the choice to not live as somebody growing in God and doing God's work in this world and producing results, I'm free to do that. I am free to be an unproductive tree who does not produce good fruits for God. But I also have to be honest enough to recognize, in justice, I'm saying no to God. There's nothing unfair about that. Why am I using up air? Why am I using up resources on this planet if I'm choosing not to live as God creates me to live? In mercy, God loves me beyond pure justice. God continues to give me time even when I refuse to produce for God, God continues to cultivate the world around me 
and to fertilize the world around me to make it possible for me to choose to change, maybe I still will produce fruit. God's not going to force me, but maybe I'll choose. So particularly if you choose not to repent, which I have done in plenty of my life, the evidence of how much God loves you in your sin and your love for your sin is that you're alive. The fact that you are on this planet for whatever time you have left is the proof of how much God mercifully loves you and only wants you to change and to produce good fruit. What is that time? It's Lent. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.